to the Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 Podcast. I'm Ryan Vasquez. And I'm Stephen McNally, and we are your home for F1 racing this side of the pond. On today's show, we're going to recap the Mexican Grand Prix and preview the Sao Paulo Grand Prix this weekend. All right, and also review our probably very terrible picks, if I'm remembering correctly, from Mexico, and hopefully our much, much better picks for Brazil. Oh, they weren't all terrible, my friend. (laughs) So, uh, first and foremost, I rest in peace to my Checo uh, having a good race at his home GP prediction. That was dead on arrival almost instantly. Uh, Yeah, it only took him uh, about 10 seconds before he decided to hit the showers. Yeah, and, I, you know, I see a lot of support from Christian on what happened and everything like that, but still, it's a tad disappointing. I don't know if he was pressing too much or felt the pressure to really just go for it, you know, uh, I guess, danger be damned uh, for your home GP. You got to be bold to get out there sometimes if you want to be someone like Max. You're, uh, but uh, it seemed a tad unnecessary maybe if he wanted to complete the day yeah i mean i i think his eyes just got a little bit big as uh, you know he started fifth and mexico's got a long front straight uh the longest run to turn one on the calendar from the starting line and you know sitting in fifth he gets a great start and you know he he gets essentially three wide sitting on the outside heading into turn one and he can he can see just enough daylight to make a silly move and you know uh charles is sandwiched in between him and max and he doesn't really have anywhere to go max is there already it's his corner and checo just kind of turns in clumsily and too early and that's all it takes for his day to be done uh but you know he said after the race that you know, he, he saw a chance for the lead and he wanted to take it, which uh, there there were some people commending him for that in the bravery. But at the same time, he's fighting for his life on this team and he's in the fastest car. And even if he gets past Charles and Max in turn one, realistically, how long is he going to be able to keep Max at bay? So I think it was just a little silly. He could have maximized the day, finished P2, and done just a little bit more to save his job. Instead, he's just opened the door wider for Lewis. And, yeah, um, you know, kind of continues this, like, he's been a little all over the place, but eventually, you know, Checo usually has a good day, right? And just lately, it's, we're running out of season, and we need him to have a good day here, and he didn't have it. Uh, and I, I, I pose this question to you. Do you think if Lewis or Max were in the same position as Checo, this race, could they have pulled that move off, or would they have also not gone for that move? Well, I mean, you only have to look back three weeks ago where Lewis did try that same maneuver and crashed into his teammate and knocked himself out of the race. So uh, <laughs> I think Lewis's ability to do the same thing, well, he did it. Would, would he have been able to make the move? I don't know. May, maybe a 2020-21 Lewis, but uh, I, I think that was an audacious move for anybody. And I, I'm guessing, like, more I'm saying, do you think Max's performance this year in his car would have been able to pull that off? 
Um, if anybody can, I, I, I think there, there hasn't been a closer tie between man and machine than him in, in quite some time. And would he have been able to find the grip and keep it on the track? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, this is the thing. I mean, like, I'm guessing Checo trusts his car. He does have the second best car out there. He has the theoretically the best car out there, if you think all things equal on the team. But, um, you know, when you trust your car, you make those moves because you know it's got the grip. You know it's got that. It doesn't always respond, but you trust it more than not. And I don't know if he over-trusts his car or over-trusts his ability, but it didn't work out for him. But... Again, that's the first lap of the race, and we had so much more happen in this race. And, I mean, I'm just happy to see Lewis finish second and not have it taken away from him uh, this week, which was which was nice. Um, I, you know, you see him finish that high, and you're like, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're just like, what? Did, did Mercedes do something this week? Um Good performance by the Ferraris, although there always seems to be a little bit of complaint by one of the Ferrari drivers, like, why the hell did this strategy screw me, or why am I not priority, or why did the strategy that we picked mean I have to swap with my partner? Um, and then uh, McLaren's also bringing in, you know, not too long afterward. Um, uh, solid day all around. And then our, our shining boy, Danny getting points and not being the worst driver or the only driver with uh uh without points that is currently running and leaving poor nick devries who probably doesn't deserve this but as the only driver who has gotten into a car this year and didn't score points yeah uh, danny qualified fourth ended up finishing seventh uh and you know really you know uh, obviously we had a red flag uh you know halfway through the race kevin magnuson decided to test how strong the barriers were uh, and the red flag really pulled the field obviously you know back closer to one another I felt like Daniel had the pace and the gap to uh, certainly George to, to finish in sixth and he almost caught George at the end with, with some you know phenomenal uh, you know tire management but I felt like six is really where he should have ended up um, but he ends up in seventh, picks up six points, which shoots him up all the way to 17th from being last. Uh, and now he's just, you know, another decent enough points finish. You finish seventh again, he'll shoot right up to 14th, uh, which, you know, where someone preseason predicted he would finish. <laughs> and, you know, not bad for Danny considering and you also didn't give him a lot of races but I mean considering he probably got more races than both you or I thought he was going to get this year um but he ended up losing you know four or five because of his injury so uh, considering that he's coming off of an injury that it's important for you to drive I would imagine your wrist right and uh getting used to a new car and having that you know getting started and that starts and stops and everything uh the fact that Danny's here, got points, and has a chance to finish as high as 14th in the points, it seems like, uh, is, I think, a testament to um, Danny's skill. But yeah, he I, certainly I said, said the uh, the grip strength in his finger is not fully back yet. He talked about after the race, Lando was giving him a little bit of a, a jab, saying he's uh, 
you know, driving around with his pinky up like someone during tea time. <laughs> uh, I sent something to you earlier in the week. Uh, I think I believe I sent it to you. Is the uh, a defense of Danny uh, as a driver, uh, particularly when he was at Red Bull um, in a down year for Red Bull. And uh, it, it's I always feel like Danny gets a little bit of a bad rap. I do believe he is a good driver. He just hasn't been able to sustain it across multiple teams. And you, people start wondering, is it the driver or is it the team? And uh, I really do hope he gets the opportunity this season and, the, and next season to really kind of showcase that, you know, the old Danny's back, that fiery Danny is back, uh, that we kind of lost a little bit when uh, he was wandering in the wilderness the, the last few years with McLaren uh, and Alpine. So, Yeah, it, it's one of those, uh, you look at people's careers in, in all sports and you wonder if they've, you know, wasted the opportunity to maximize their peak. You know, he was with Red Bull, he was a race winner, you know, the the quotes always come back from 2016 where, you know, when Mercedes was absolutely dominant, they had, you know, clearly the two best drivers in the best car. Um, and they were afraid of Ricardo when it came to qualifying, like, don't, don't, you know, let me out in front of him because he'll come, you know, he'll come and get me. Don't let me out behind him. Cause I won't be able to pass him. So, you know, both Nico and Lewis, always needed to know where Danny was. And, you know, this is back in 2016. You felt like he's going to be the guy, but, you know, when you have a protege like Max, who's just an unbelievable talent, uh, you know, you feel like you can't make it work on the team anymore, so you make a bold move and you you go to Renault, which is, you know, Alpine now, and... You know, you, you stick it out there through a really rough year where the car is not competitive, and then you you turn in one of the best performances of the year in 2020, where you know he's consistent, he's picking up podiums, and and then he makes the to jump to McLaren. He thinks you know it, it's a team on the rise; they're about to start using Mercedes engines and and be even better. And he just couldn't find the right fit he won a race still the only person to win at mclaren in you know 11 years but you know obviously the the comfort level wasn't there for him he couldn't drive the car the way it needed to be driven and then he gets let go and now mclaren's really good again and you know it can't really say that if danny's in the seat not oscar he would be as successful because he it still needs to match his driving style and he still needed to get out of whatever mental funk that he was in that it was a disconnect from his ability to maximize the car um but you know so you've got this block of his career where he just went from being a a threat every sunday in 2018 where ultimately the car failed him too many times for him to you know stick around when they're already crowning max as the number one driver and you know bounced from team to team bounced out of the sport you feel like you're starting to maybe get a little bit of that you know magic dust about him again right and you know a thing about danny is that you know those you know at reno and um at McLaren, he maybe not always was the priority, especially after certain guys were emerging on those teams he was with. And I feel like he will 
get that opportunity at AlphaTauri where he could definitely be prioritized, uh, you know. And a, a good thing for Danny this weekend too was that he outpointed his countryman uh, and the guy who replaced him at McLaren. Uh, so it's a nice little win. I'm sure that makes him feel maybe a tad bit better. I don't know if he pays attention to that, but it was nice. Um, and then, you know, it's uh, nice to see a, a Williams sneak up in to get points. I think Albin is an unsung driver uh, on the circuit. Uh, the fact that that Williams team is under-resourced, even though they do have a much better card than they've had in the past. The fact that he can consistently make that uh, car or, uh, competitive for some point finish, I think is a testament to Alex. Uh, so I, I think there was a lot of good days uh, at teams as we look up and down the grid um, from Mexico, except those poor bastards in Aston Martins. <laughs> uh, you, you know, and think things might be turning around for them, but I, I think that was kind of the... You know, we, weekend of nightmares for them. They they had been on this downturn for a while. They've started falling down the standings, both constructor and driver wise. To where, uh, you know, Carlos Sainz has now passed Fernando, who's been sitting in P three nearly the entire year, and now down to P five. And obviously, uh, Aston Martin has dropped below McLaren P five in the constructors. Uh, it just didn't seem to be competitive while they were running. And then ultimately they both weren't running. Lance had a little bit of help from uh, Valtteri as far as ending his day. But, you know, Lance puts himself in positions for things like that to happen. But a double DNF is, uh, needless to say, not ideal. But I I, I, I do want to talk about the, uh, the driver of the day, though. Uh, Lando Norris. Of course, yeah. We don't want to overlook Lando. Uh, you know, a, a phenomenal, phenomenal season, especially this back half of the season for right. the McLarens, and Lando has been driving that. I mean, don't want to take anything from Oscar Piastri, but Lando's just a monster. Yeah, but I mean, he, he, he started 17th, which, you know, aside from some people having, uh, you know, uh, Stroll had to start from the pit lane. Yuki took an engine penalty. And, you know, Logan was... Logan. Um, Lando started last because of... uh, Started 17th, excuse me, because of a really poor qualifying. And aside from the other cars that needed to make adjustments, would have started behind them. And in the first stint of the race, he charged up the field once the red flag came out, he already found himself in 10th, so he moved up to the points. But then he got a horrible restart in the red flag, dropped another five positions, and still managed to charge his way back up to fifth. Um, and just pro- probably aside from Max, the, the fastest consistent driver on uh, Sunday during the race. And just to to have to kind of you know, crawl through the field twice is very impressive and and unfortunate at the same time because you think like what he, if he would have qualified decently, which will be a, a theme, um, if he would have really focused on qualifying and nailed it, what 
what might have been actually on the cards for him on Sunday. Yeah, definitely a podium finish. I think that's without a doubt. Um, but you wonder, does he have enough in him to challenge the man at the top? Uh, you know, and it feels like the McLarens have really taken the most opportunity and run. They've been able to spoil the Red Bulls day sometimes, or at least make them think twice in a few races at the end here. Um, I haven't seen them. I haven't seen any other team quite do that. Although I do feel like Lewis had a chance in the race that he ended up ultimately getting disqualified in. Uh, it looked like he had a chance to at least challenge Max. But again, you don't know how much of the reason he was disqualified for was giving him an advantage. So, I mean, for, from what we've heard, it's it's nearly microns we're talking about. <laughs> like if we're talking. Point zero five millimeters to worn. Uh, that's that that takes precision instruments and lasers to figure out the difference. So as far as how much of advantage, but they say it matters. That's why it's so finely you know attuned. But you know, uh, yeah, it's it's a shame. But again, we do see. Lewis having some sort of performance now since the changes, and it seems to be a little bit more sustainable. Um, I do wish this car would qualify better. Uh, it does seem to perform better on race day, though. Yes, uh, because you know he, he did qualify sixth, um, and you know Ferrari one and two. Of course, Christian Horner was out there saying he he's only in P two because of the benefit he got from the red flag. But I, I felt like you know. Without a red flag, you know, the Ferraris, you know, absolutely chew through their tires that I, I don't know if they would have the tire life to go to the end on a long stint like that. And, you know, you always leave Ferrari the opportunity to mess up their own strategy anyway. Well, um, yeah. So I, I think wanna... I, I think it's a well-deserved P2, and I think, you know, fair enough that he got I it. I don't think, yeah, I don't think Christian... Uh, unless he feels that that was an unfair red flag. I don't think Christian should really be talking about red flags and how things magically change. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, his driver, his prime driver would only have two championships if it weren't for a red flag. Um, Or or just, you know, an opportune safety car at at certain, Right. you know. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, you know, flags are what they are, right? So, I mean, that's uh, a little unfair. You know, again... Uh, taking advantage of what ha- what the race gives you and being in, in preparation to or being prepared to take advantage or uh, smart with your strategy and being flexible with your strategy as part of being a good driver and having a good day too. So if he's just sitting there saying, I don't, you know, he, if he wants to knock his pace, that's fine. But uh, knocking the drive is bad. So, right. Just uh, you know, having to get the last word in seems to be what what christian's about anyway so uh not to be unexpected but let's get to our uh predictions from the previous race to see how well we did yes. uh ryan we'll we'll start with you don't uh, I, was, I, was, I was terrible <laughs> well you, you said max wouldn't win uh but he did yeah. um you said Checo would podium uh and which he didn't which which he didn't um but you did say danny would get points so I got one point, um, which is solid. Although after like the first three laps, I instantly knew I was 
only had a chance at one point. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that was that was early. Um, so I said Danny would also get points. So that's that's one point for me. I said Logan would DNF, and he did DNF. <laughs> did he do 70 out of 71 laps? Yes, he did. But did he finish the race? No, he did not. <laughs> um, they, they had to call him in on, on the last lap for a, uh, I guess, a fuel pump issue. And I think, you know, he was running fairly strong in, in P13 I think he had, he had uh, or no he was 12th because uh, you know Yuki got a little wide eyed like Checo and into turn 1 uh, spun himself out on Oscar and dropped down the field I think Logan was running 12th and was on for a decent enough finish but because of the fuel pump issue they called him in because while he could have finished, he probably would have been disqualified for not having enough fuel in the car. Um, so that's why they pulled him in. So, no points for Logan, but a point for me. Um, and you'll have to remind me, because I, I did not go back and listen, but I had written down Checo P6 or worse. Um, I don't remember I, I, if I said qualifying or the race. Because if it's the race, it's definitely worse than P6. I believe it was the race because I believe it being counter to what my prediction was. Like I thought he was going to like win. Yeah, and I was I was banking on he was gonna like like he's gonna fuck it up. Right. Um, So I believe it was I believe we just we kinda had the counter opinion on Checo and you were right. (laughs) Right. So my first (laughs) I think that was my first sweep of the year. Just in time. To two-point gain on me um and yeah uh i just really wanted this to be a storybook race uh and it wasn't so you know i no max and uh no max winning which is a nice storybook for me Checo getting a home win, it's a nice win. And Danny getting points and getting, you know, that just felt, those were all like feel-good moments I felt for F1. And we didn't get a lot of those. We just got the Danny, so. Right. I, I mean, we, we all kind of like, uh, like, you, you know, we're watching Brazil qualifying today. You kind of dream up like, you know, Lewis winning at his quote-unquote second home race, you know. And then uh, you see that Haas might be a little bit strong uh, in, in at least some sessions of qualifying. Like, oh man, what if Hulkenberg also got a podium and Danny's there too and Hulkenberg gets his first podium and Danny's doing a shoey and Max is there with the Brazilian flag. Like you have these delusions of grandeur of how you want to see it play out. Um, ultimately, we didn't get that kind of dream result in Mexico. So uh, we move on uh, to see what we can do this week in Sao Paulo. And, uh, you know, we, we alluded to two things already from last week, which was Aston Martin looking terrible and Lando having a poor qualifying. Uh, one of those things are the same, and one of those things have flipped. Uh, surprisingly enough, filling out, locking out the second row of the grid to start the race is Lance Stroll and Fernando Alonso. In that order, Lance Stroll has outqualified his two-time championship teammate. 
Yeah, uh, very interesting to see. And I saw a joke on Twitter today where it's like anytime any condensation hits the track, Lance turns into Michael Schumacher. Um, <laughs> but it has so, to be it has to be the right amount. It can't be right. too wet because yeah. then you end up getting Monaco from this year where he's just where he looks like a you know the ball in a pinball machine just bouncing off the bumpers as he goes down the hairpin. Ding 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 ding. Mm-hmm. Like that's too much moisture for him. Like if he gets just enough, uh, you know, he goes into God mode. Yeah, he's a he's a Goldilocks on the condensation, but if he hits it, it's just right. So yeah, he's a he's a eighty percent humidity merchant. Yeah, uh, you know, I I'm looking at this grid and I don't like seeing Danny so far down. Um, I will say though, he he's only point zero zero six, so six thousandths of a second behind Yuki's time you know are are they 16 and 17th yeah is that a little bit of a letdown after last week yeah but he's we, we said it he's still a guy who's missed the first half of the year missed five races in a row with a broken hand and is only in his third race back without still full functionality of his hand and he's equaling Yuki's time so and it's funny it's funny to look at these times too because you see you know uh, pretty much like uh, the top 10 have are you know have weird times the top nine have weird qualifying times and it's because of that condensation uh, you know you see dry it's hard to even kind of tell pacing like what what's true and what's not because of that last lap kind yeah. of being a tad well, off right yeah with, with Interlagos being kind of a, a shorter track like a shorter uh, you know lap time, it tends to be close. Like in Q1, the top 17 were separated by half a second. You think about how quick a half a second is through, you know, uh, 15 turns on a racetrack in in different types of cars, and it comes down to the amount of time it takes to blink. That's how much 17 cars are separated by. Um, it's re- like, yeah, like is... Um, you know, Charles really that much faster than Lewis when it comes to Q1. Like, it's it's very, very close. Yeah, in Q3, um, it was it was about timing. You needed to be out as soon as possible, and that's what caught out the McLarens because they, they held them for a couple of minutes. Lando went out there with poor track conditions, and it was so bad for uh, Oscar that he spun. And of course, Max goes out there and complains the whole time about how terrible it is. But I mean, not necessarily like his car is bad. It's just the conditions and how it's reacting. And he gets uh, P1 and he's like shocked. He's like, really? Like this this car? And, but again, you know, I think obviously he's not wrong either. Probably. It's just interesting that when he has a bad day in his car, he's still better than everybody else. But um, it, it's a matter of, you know, he... He hit a qualifying time of 110.727, and that is a good good amount of distance between him and Charles. But uh, he's probably much faster than that in that car, and he knows it. And so it's hard to it's hard for me to guess. Again, I would love to see this trend that I saw, and other <laughs> F1 fans probably saw it, that the person. Uh, I, let me get this right. The person who gets the pole in Hungary 
has won the race in Brazil for like the last six or seven years. Um, and that would mean Lewis Hamilton is being set up to win his second home G, uh, Grand Prix. Um, I don't know how he's going to do it from fifth per se, but I'm still hopeful. I mean, it's going to be uh, a matter of luck and strategy, you would think. Uh, Max is going to be starting first, and you know he's just going to fly off into the distance. Um, I I don't see a scenario where, like, if he's not coming through the pack or you know slowed down, that he's able to be caught and passed. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of laps. You know, with, with a shorter track, kind kind of like with Mexico. Mexico was uh, 72 laps. This will be a 71 lap race, so plenty of laps tomorrow, or excuse me, Sunday. Um, I I don't know. I I don't think Max has any interest in making it competitive at all. So I I would I would assume he's going to win by 15 seconds. Uh, but his his teammate again, what was a little bit unfortunate because he was the car behind Oscar when he spun, so that definitely uh, messed with his lap time, and no one else was able to do a second lap because you know a a hurricane decided to touch down immediately and blow away half the grandstands. Yeah. Uh, so again, Sergio coming off of a lap one DNF at his home race. While looking decently, you know, strong throughout the first part of qualifying, where he was uh, right on Max's time in Q2 and third fastest in Q2, like only five hundredths of a second off of Max, it is bad luck. But now he's sitting there starting ninth and his teammates on pole again. So where, where he needs things to go his way, it hasn't today so the guy who's chasing him in his uh not title fight but chasing him in the driver standings for p2 is starting four spots ahead of him and you know the the other person putting pressure on him is is danny to take his seat and obviously he's further down the field so that's at least one aspect of pressure that he's not starting behind somebody in the sister team that looking to take his job but if he wants to hold on to p2 in the championship with three races left uh he's gonna have to make some serious moves tomorrow yeah it's um interesting i i want to make my picks in a certain way but i just don't feel like the grid has blessed me with what i hope would happen so that, it's just, uh, it's nice to see that the British drivers lined up in a row, 5th, 6th, and 7th, um, splitting the two Spaniards. I, if I ever want to know where Alpine, uh, the Alpine drivers uh, qualified, I always look where the two French flags are together on the grid because they always seem to qualify by each other. Um, so I, I will say uh, that while George qualified 6th, you know, splitting Lewis and Lando, uh, George has received a two-place grid penalty for impeding uh, on pit lane in Q1 
along with Esteban, of course, because it, what a race! What is a race if Esteban's not going to get a penalty? But also Pierre Gasly. So Esteban will start 14th, Gasly will start 15th, and George is actually going to start 8th. Okay. So that'll change things a little bit. It puts Lando and Carlos at Lewis's back and not his teammate. Well, it'll, it'll put Lando, Lando on the same row as Lewis, so he'll, he'll be well, starting. Well, I'm just saying, like, be, you yeah. know, in a row, like, it, it, behind him, theoretically, it would put them, you know, that way. But, yeah, in the starting position, it would put him, you know, you know, uh, on the same row as uh, Lando instead of his teammate and um, has Carlos behind him, so. Yeah. And, and yeah, we still have a, a sprint race to go tomorrow qualifying and a sprint race tomorrow um the which, which was intriguing to me i saw this graphic i don't know if you saw it too uh sprint points since they started it um max verstappen by far and away um only person with triple digits i think he doubled the next person on the list amount of points picked up in sprint races but steve do you know who the second person on that list is in the points Earning points in the sprint races? Earning points in sprint races since they started them. <sighs> uh, I mean, when you say it like that, it's got to be like somebody unexpected. Yes. Uh, I I know, even though Lewis has had like two races where he didn't score points because one, he crashed out in Qatar and uh, uh, in... Uh, Austin, he was disqualified. Technically, he's the only other person aside from Max that has points every weekend because he got points in the sprint races of those weekend. Um, but I feel like Lewis is too uh, obvious. Uh, Carlos? Carlos signs number two? Valtteri Bottas. What? And Bottas no. Wait. hasn't gotten points in a sprint race since 2021. But he has 41, and he's next on the list behind Max. He, I don't think he has... Yeah, what? <laughs> what? I mean, I remember... Mercedes days. Yeah, I remember Obviously. him uh, at least in, in 2021, the, the Italian Grand Prix that Danny won. I remember that he won the sprint race, but he had to take an engine penalty afterwards, so he started from the back, which... Uh, the the sprint race ended Valtteri, Max, Danny that was like the top three in the sprint so when Valtteri dropped back it ended up being a Max, Danny front row and Max got passed by Danny on the start and then Danny led the entire rest of the race so I do remember him winning that sprint race but I had no idea that he had that many points in sprints very interesting to me too it's uh it's kind of like uh, uh, Ryan's analogy of the week for America. Early on in the season when Devon Achan, the uh, <laughs> Miami Dolphins rookie running back, was leading the league in rushing even though he had a week or two where he was injured. Uh, it's kind of one of those where it's like, 
that doesn't seem right. It's just so he's he did so much enough, and it's just so sketchy i guess over the years like who gets points and what and like max dominates so you know whoever else gets the other points is up for grabs and we see this all the time people having an interesting sprint weekend or people going for points specifically for sprint weekend and not for the gp are not going for points in the sprint because they're going they're primarily setting up for the gp so it's just an interesting kind of weird nugget uh i do think eventually valtteri i think people behind him were only a couple of points behind him i think he will be surpassed but as of current juncture right now um unless he magically gets points in this uh in this sprint this weekend uh valtteri holds second although maybe tenuously wow and and, you know i know that lewis has never won a sprint somehow oscar piastri you know if you looked it up like uh obviously because he won one this year he won a sprint race before Lewis Hamilton did. That seems weird to me. I th- and I feel like you know Lewis made this remark this week. It was he feels like he says the most fun he's had is coming from the rear. You know, on these things, um, and like uh, he wanted a reverse order kind of sprint or something like that. But um, I don't know how that would work. Uh, you'd almost have to do two sprints and do one that you qualified and reverse sort of the second one. And I feel like that's just adding too much trouble to the F1 circuit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the original thought was you just have one qualifying. The qualifying is for the race. And so you have people wanting to qualify as high as possible because that's where you'll start the race that has the most points. And then you reverse the grid for the sprint that has less points. Because otherwise, if it's like, oh, I'll start first if I qualified last, no one's going to try to qualify first. But if you use the incentive for regular qualifying and just reset it for the sprint, and then that's it, um, I, I think that's a viable way to, to do it. Um, but this, this should be a good sprint. Uh, obviously, Brazil offers quite a bit. Uh, and you know it's a, it's a track that Lewis loves to race at um, Mercedes won last year George won Lewis second I felt like maybe it was another uh, instance of George getting a little bit of priority over Lewis felt like might have been winnable certainly George got pole position and then conveniently put his car in the gravel to end qualifying a little bit early, ensuring he stayed first. So uh, tactics, gamesmanship, maybe, but uh, obviously didn't have the same result this year. He's going to have a lot of work to do on Sunday. Um, But definitely one of the highlight weekends for me, having two competitive races at a track this good. Yeah, I love the Brazilian GP, and uh, I know certain drivers do. And um, uh, it was nice to see all of the Senna love uh, in Brazil this weekend as well. Um, it's interesting just how much he's such a iconic driver for some of the drivers on the grid. Um, even some of the younger drivers um, that he really resonates. I know Charles uh, was really... Um, is really fond of Senna and we know Lewis is you know 
absolutely that's that's his icon and so um just interesting that two drivers with you know a good decade probably between them in years still kind of uh, look at that more yeah like yeah. you know, Ch- Charles said Senna was his his one like true idol like if he had one it was Senna and he was born 3 years after he died so right. you know it's incredible for someone like that to have a lasting impact uh you know even after the passing but truly a phenomenal driver it got me down a rabbit hole on Senna and just like um you know because it's Brazilian GP I want to highlight it it's just uh was beloved as much on the track as he was off the track and um, and did so much, had a lasting legacy uh, in his short time, you know, uh, uh, on the, not just in his performance, but also like what he helped contribute to as far as safety and things like that, you know, always advocated for safety and, uh, and definitely some of the things that happened to him uh, in the race he died and also leading up to that particular point kind of got the ball rolling on some some safety issues that we now see today and so uh just uh just interesting to see it highlighted this week by the drivers and i know lewis was in his full brazilian regalia this uh today he he walked in with the throwback fit from uh brazil's championship in the united states world uh the the world cup held in the united states in 94 um and so he was he was on his brazil game this week yeah, I mean, if if I had, you know, a, a twenty-five million dollar a year salary plus endorsements plus winnings, I, I think I'd be walking around in the uh, dream team tracksuits too. I know? too could go on Brazilian eBay and track something down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, the uh, a, a amount of I, I don't like I, I don't even want to just say like collectibles or memorabilia, but just like. The, the things that I would buy with essentially a bottomless pocket um, yeah I mean I'd look weird walking around with like Alonzo Morning game worn shorts on but I'd do it yeah I mean just to say I can I mean I feel like uh, I hate to say it but I feel like Drake has like the bottomless pockets that I have but has the same kind of mentality that I have towards <laughs> things it's like he buys all of these expensive boxes of collectible cards, hoping to find like the the big cards. I too would love to do that because I'm a card collector and I have been since I was a kid, but I don't have the money to do that. And uh, he always seems to have all of these different things. And I'm like, ah, I feel like I'm a little ashamed to say Drake is like my spirit animal because <laughs> like, I don't want Drake to be my spirit animal, but I, I think he gets me in a way that other people might not if I had unlimited money. So, Well, you know what, what I see... It, you know, because like as a kid, it's always, um, or or you know, tween age for for us, it was like if you could have a Mortal Kombat arcade, like stand up, like the full size arcade, or uh, like NFL Blitz or NBA Jam, like in your house, like that would that was making it. Like I've got the Mortal Kombat machine in my house, um, but I think now it would be like full racing simulator you know to to do like f1 like i want the roll cage i want you know the uh replica wheel with all the buttons that they have in the car i want to be able to open my own drs i want to have a wraparound screen um and i want to have it pivot as i break and go into the corners like there that's that's bottomless uh you know 
budget money there as far as you know ultimate toys well let's see if we can give you some take it to the bank picks this week so if you wanted to go bet or put together a parlay on the formula one race this week with our choices uh you too could have a little bit more pocket money to buy some uh man goodies all right max wins (laughs) (laughs) first and foremost max wins i mean if i'm going to the bank and I'm going on DraftKings. It's not. It's not going to give me a lot of uh, like the odds aren't going to pay a lot, but it seems to be a sure bet nonetheless. This is like a Christian McCaffrey anytime TD at this oh, point. Man. It's starting to get diminishing returns on because it's so likely that it's not a bet. It's a. Yeah. It's a certainty. I mean, you couldn't roll it over as long as a Christian McCaffrey anytime touchdown because that's that's 16 straight weeks at this point and. You know, Max is a uh, is a bum and only won ten straight. So, you know, get wrecked, Max. Um, but yeah, de- definitely. Uh, I'll, my first prediction would be a, a Max win. Um, I will go for a Fernando Alonso podium. I think uh, there's no way he's going to let his teammate finish in front of him. He's uh he's a little angry this week after all the quote unquote rumors, mm-hmm. um, and they have kind of thrown away all the quote unquote upgrades they've put on the car to go back to something more akin to what they had at the beginning of the year. And what do you know? Uh, seems to work. So I I feel like Fernando's going to be a little bit reinvigorated. He'll finish on the podium, and. What will I say? What will I say? I'm going to put Lando on the podium also. Okay. Lando podium, Alonzo podium, Max wins. So I guess I'm just calling the podium. You know, I was almost going to do the same thing. I may not, though, because you did that. Um, Were so you going to do the same picks, or are you just going to call the Not podium? the same picks. I was going to pick. I was going to end up picking the whole podium. I was picking my first two picks, and I'm like, what's my third pick? And I'm like... Uh, I feel like I'm picking a podium. I'm not really actually like picking something that has variability in it. Um, I think that Lewis will finish second. Ooh. I, I just think he has some consistency here, theoretically. I mean, if we want to count the disqualified race, disqualification race, um, you know, uh, second, second. Uh, Should have finished his, second. Yeah. yeah, he goes, he's at his, he's at his, uh, you know, a favored race of his. Um, and uh, I think, I think, why not? Um, I think a Ferrari finishes third. Okay. I'm not going to pick a winner of the race because I would feel terrible picking anyone other than Max because at this juncture I have Max not podiuming. So <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But so, I will say that Logan Sargent will not be 20th this week. Somebody will finish worse than Logan. Okay, so Logan, not last. Lewis, P2, and you have a Ferrari driver a third? Yes. Okay. So anybody could win the race in your prediction. Anybody could win the race in my prediction. Except for um, except for one Ferrari 
and Lewis. Te- so technically, Logan could win based on your prediction because he's not Logan. last, and you haven't picked a winner. Correct. Logan can win. Um, we could have a Ferrari <laughs> one and three. That would still give that to me. Um, uh, Lewis can't win because I need him to be second. <laughs> so yes. See, uh, I have some that, weird that, wonkiness here. Yeah, that smells to me like Lewis will win the race on track, and then he'll get like a five-second post-race penalty, and someone else will inherit the win. Like, that's what you've locked him into now. You've jinxed him. Thanks. But I'll get the point. <laughs> uh, I hope I haven't jinxed him. Um, I just did... I really wanted to call him up for a win, but I just... It's hard for me to say, given qualification not saying that's a how he qualified is any indication of what he would have ultimately qualified with a best lap but you don't know and starting fifth is still starting fifth whether you're faster or not and so um i would like to have seen him compare like all things fair to max before i would make a prediction that he would win yeah and at this point half of my belief in a prediction is that max is going to have his car blow up or someone run into him so it's also just luck. So I, I didn't want to guess that way. So I was just happy with keeping Lewis second. Yeah, because, I mean, we, we've seen the only way that Max is even remotely under threat is when he has to start from somewhere other than first. You know, he started um, uh, started third in Mexico. He was first by the time he got to the first corner. <laughs> In uh, in Austin, he started uh, sixth, I think, and you know that that's when he had to come through the field and, and take the lead. Um, Singapore, he didn't qualify well, so you know that's when Carlos ended up winning and he had his worst race of the year. But other than that, if he's starting first, or if Charles is on pole, like he's gonna win. Because <laughs> anytime Charles is on pole, it seems like a a, a surefire win for Max. So maybe the fact that he's on pole and not Charles is a good thing. But right. so, all right, I think those sound like perfectly reasonable picks for us to get completely wrong because you know why not? It's Brazil. But uh, I think we'll leave it at that point here for this edition of the Red, White, and Blue Flags F1 podcast. Again, I'm Ryan Vasquez, and I'm Stephen McNally, and we'll catch you next time across the line. 